When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Music to My Ears podcast brought to you by BBC Music Magazine, the world's best-selling classical music monthly. This week we're speaking to pianist Isa Takana Mason about the music and literature that shaped who she is today. Isata graced our screens back in 2014 when she reached the piano category finals of BBC Young Musician, a competition her brother Sheku then went on to win two years later. The pair come from one of the best-known musical families in the UK, with all eight siblings either professional or highly gifted instrumentalists. Despite being only 23, Isata released her debut disc for Decca Classics last year, an album of piano works by Clara Schumann called Romance. Isata met Rebecca Franks at the Royal Academy of Music earlier this year, before the UK lockdown. So we're here in the Royal Academy of Music in this beautiful boardroom, and um, I wondered if you could tell me a bit about what the Royal Academy of Music means to you, just to start with. Okay, so, well, I've been coming here for a long time, many years. Um, I actually first came here when I was 10 years old to the Junior Royal Academy, and uh, actually, no, that would have been the primary Royal Academy, sorry. Uh, and then I went to the junior when I was 13. And then when I was 18, I came to the senior. So now I'm here full time and I'll be here until July and then I'll leave. And that will be the end of a, a long era. So does it feel like a second home? I imagine it must do after so many years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would say the primary academy and the senior academy are, of course, very different. So I do feel like Um, I've grown while being here and I've had different teachers. But in terms of the actual building, uh, I feel very familiar with it. Mm -hmm. And you have other musical siblings as well who who study here. So I guess is it part of your family life? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I have three siblings who are here with me at the Senior Academy. And then my other three siblings go to the Junior slash Primary Academy. So they all come here in some shape or form. Yeah, yeah. I wondered if we could go back to your sort of very first musical memories. Okay. So (laughs) I always find this question really difficult to answer because I'm kind of sifting through. Um, I would say the earliest one I can remember is being on holiday in the Caribbean with my family. I think I was about five and there was a piano there. And that's basically my earliest memory of playing the piano. Um, And I remember kind of playing some chords and being really excited by the sound of the instrument. Um, And then I can also remember, this is probably a couple of years later or a few years later, um, I'd always listened to the Rachmaninoff Second Piano Concerto kind of on the CD player Mm. um, with my sister, Jennifer, who was six years younger. So she was about three. And we'd, yeah, we'd both just listen to it and she'd fall asleep to the music. So that was quite a strong memory as well. Um, And I also remember 
being in the car because we were always driving somewhere like I don't know swimming lessons or school or something and my parents would always have CDs of Jacqueline Dupre or Schubert in the car mm. so yeah those are my earliest memories. Mm. Well, that kind of brings us on to quite neatly to the the first musical choice for this podcast which was um which is which is the first piece of classical music did you really love? Yes yeah, so that is the Rachmaninoff second piano concerto and I think it's just because of that memory of listening to it on the CD player all the time. And I think I just had a really powerful response to the music. And I was only about eight years old, but I just really connected with this piece. And I think when a memory is sharp in your mind, um, it means that you kind of had a strong emotional response to it. Mm. And this memory is really sharp in my mind. So, yeah. still a piece that you love now yeah definitely um I see it differently now because I've played it and learned it and performed it um but I still love it just as much as I did back then um I just like know the notes a bit more now (laughs) (laughs) and what was it like to start learning it yourself as a pianist um it was quite weird because I already knew it off by heart in my head yeah so at first it was quite boring because you know I knew how I wanted it to go and the actual process of learning the notes Um, just felt so long I was like oh I just want to get to the interpretation part but once you got past that then it then it was heaven then I really liked it and are there any particular pianists that you really you know you love their recordings of the piece I mean do you remember what the first one was on that cd in the car yeah I think it was Vladimir Ashkenazi uh, because I grew up with his playing and I would say it's still his playing that I love today actually um yeah, I also like some old recordings. There's a Van Cliburn recording that I enjoy. And I think it's nice to get a different perspective. I've also listened to Rachmaninoff's own recording because I love, mm. you know, he does things that nowadays if you did that, people would say, oh, that's crazy. Why are you doing that? But, you know, that's how he interpreted his own piece. Mm, mm. It's funny you should say the Ashkenazi because I made a playlist of your choices and that was the one that I put, I thought, I'll guess. I wonder oh, if it's oh, that so one. Happy. Yeah. yeah, well guessed. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I also really liked, I don't know if you heard, um, uh, Daniel Trifonoff did one fairly recently. Oh, yes. I enjoyed yes. as well. Yeah. Well, I've listened to his Rack 3. I haven't uh-huh. listened to the Rack 2 yet, actually. Yeah. Um, I thought the Rack 3 was amazing, though. Yeah. yeah. Really amazing. Yeah. And do you um, tend to, when you're listening, do you tend to be listening to things that you yourself are playing or do you listen to completely different music to, to what you're playing on the piano? So I'd say it was a, mi- a mixture. I think... If I'm searching for something to play, then I'll listen to it. But as soon as I start learning it, I kind of don't want to listen to it anymore. And so I tend to listen to lots of chamber music, lots of symphonies, and also pieces that don't have any piano, like string quartet or cello concertos. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like chamber music is a big thing. Chamber music is definitely a big thing. I'd say that's probably my favourite thing to listen to, um, closely followed by concertos. Yeah. Do you think that's... um also to do with having a family that you presumably play a lot of music with together? Mm. Yeah, it could be. Um, I grew up playing, you know, piano trio with my brothers. We play together as siblings. And I've also played lots of chamber music with kind of friends. And I think it's, I think it's a really important part of my life. So yeah, I definitely love chamber music. Yeah. And do you get a chance to go to many live performances? 
Yeah, I'd like to go to more, but that's just due to me being disorganised. Um, <laughs> there's so much here in London. I go to the Wigmore Hall a lot because they often have really good deals with cheap tickets or free tickets. Um, actually, I'm going to some chamber concerts this weekend on Friday and Saturday. And both nights I got the tickets for free. So that's Fantastic. really good. That's Elena Uriosti and Tom Poster. They do these kind of kaleidoscope concerts. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. I went to one of them in um, last year in Cheltenham, Cheltenham Music Festival. Yes, I saw them yeah. there last year, actually. <laughs> yeah, what were they playing? They did a programme that was based a lot around, um, it was all female composers, and it was quite clever because they started off, so they, I think they had five pieces and they had... Uh, it sort of counted up, so it was a solo pianist to start with, then a duet, then a trio, then a quartet, and then a quintet. Ah. So it kind of, the programme kind of built Yes, I've seen way. them do something similar to that before, actually, a few years back, where they did solo, duo, trio, then quartet. Yeah, yeah I liked really it. It was good, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I think that's one of, yeah, one of Tom Foster's things. <laughs> yeah, it was a clever bit of programming. And Eleanor, she played on your debut CD, which came out last yes, year. Yes, she was amazing. I'm yeah. so glad she did that. Yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah. maybe you could tell me a little bit about that CD and, yeah, and the sure. project and um, how it came about and, and how it's been since, it's, since the um, recording has been out. Yeah, sure. So it started off with discussions with Decca, who were keen to do a project like this. Um, and I loved Clara Schumann's music. So we mm. kind of talked about it and then... Um, yeah, and then we just chose the repertoire um, and it was it was really amazing for me because I didn't know much of her music, but the more I discovered, the more I found and the more I liked it. And then, yeah, I was really lucky to work with Elena on the album and also Holly Matheson, who conducted the concerto. Mm -hmm. And since then, lots of people have really appreciated the CD and I've been doing more concerts of Clara Schumann's music. Um, which is really exciting. So, yeah, I'm definitely glad that I did that. Mm. And um, when you're choosing the repertoire that you play, what is it that kind of draws you to a composer or to their music? What do you kind of, what inspires you? It's hard to say because I like such a variety of different things, but usually I just, I'll listen to a piece of music and if I understand it or if I have an emotional response to it, then I'll usually want to play it. Mm -hmm. um, and it could be, anything from Beethoven to Barber. I mean, mm. yeah, it just depends on what I could, what I connect with, basically. Mm. I realised I've gone completely off-piste here. I was actually going to ask you about oh. the best concert, not proper. <laughs> I was very sidetracked oh, yes. by what you were saying. So, yeah, uh, we'll go back to, to that question, which is, what is the best concert or opera that you've ever been to? This was my favourite concert because I've, mm -hmm. I've played um, the... Actually, I've played all of the repertoire apart from the Schumann. Mm -hmm. And so I was especially intrigued to hear to hear them play it. Yeah. And I was just so inspired. I mean, Marta Argrich is a pianist that I also grew up with alongside Ashkenazi. And I love her playing and she's an incredible musician. So to hear those piano parts that I know that I've that I've learned myself to hear them played by her was really special. Yeah. And yeah, just I love Janine Janssen as well and Misha Maisky and kind of the collaboration on stage. It was one of those concerts where I didn't zone out for a single second. So yeah, yeah that was definitely the best concert. She's such, I'm, I'm, I heard her last year, Martha Argrish at the proms and doing... Yes, Tchaikovsky. Yeah. Yeah, how was that? Well, I mean, again, it was one of those concerts that was just really stuck with me because yeah. it was every note that she played 
she did something with. And I thought, mm. how on earth, how on earth do you do that? It just seems so kind of innate, really, in yeah. in her being and playing. <laughs> sort of Yeah, that's why I love her playing actually, because sometimes um I go to piano concerts and I think because the piano, you know, it's one instrument and it's hard to make like a range of colour. And mm. I think it's easy to become bored maybe in a piano mm. recital. Mm. But in her, with her playing, I never do because there's so much character in life. Mm. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges challenges as a pianist is to not make it boring. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I feel like there's always an element of that spontaneity and surprise. Mm. I don't know if that was the case in this concert. Did she do definitely. things with music that you didn't? expect yeah you're kind of like oh and it makes you listen and sit up and yeah yeah, she has that quality yeah so yeah on that program I should just say so that was the the Beethoven the cello sonata in G minor the Shostakovich piano trio number two Schumann violin sonata number one and the Mendelssohn piano trio number one Mm -hmm. which that's got quite a fearsome piano part definitely yeah (laughs) so does the Beethoven cello sonata actually that one has a has a really great piano part yeah 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 so that's all music that's in your repertoire. That apart, apart, from sorry, Schumann, apart from Schumann, yeah. So it's actually yeah. all pieces that I played with my brothers. So we played the two trios and I played the cello sonata with the shaku. And yeah, so they're, they're special pieces to me as well. Yeah, because you're it's making me smile just talking about oh, playing that. <laughs> yeah, have you played any of them? I attempted to try and play the Mendelssohn and mm. realised it was way beyond my... <laughs> Oh, capabilities. <laughs> no, he writes such difficult, like so many notes. And, yeah, I yeah. formed a piano trio at university and I think I took it home over the summer and I thought, oh. Oh. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to learn this. Um, so yeah, Shostakovich yeah. has way less notes though. Maybe it's, actually hard, it's actually one of those pieces that's harder for the string players. That's quite rare in yeah, chamber pieces. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, maybe I will give that one a whirl. Okay, um, well, maybe we could talk now. Which is the piece that you couldn't live without? Um, so the piece I couldn't live without, I'm going to say it would have to be Schubert's Trout Quintet, actually, because that's another one of those early pieces that I grew up with, um, listening to in the car. And actually, I remember saying to my dad when I was about eight or nine years old, I said, oh, you know, this piece is the best piece in the world. I'm always going to love it. And my dad said, oh, I'm going to tell you this in like 10, 15 years time when you're trying to be cool at university. And, you know, my answer hasn't changed. Clearly, I don't care about being cool. And I'm at music college anyway. (laughs) And you're not just saying that to be, to prove to your dad a point. (laughs) No, no, definitely not. It's it's definitely remained one of my favourite pieces. And I've, I've had the privilege of playing it now a couple of times. And yeah, I just think it's just one of those pieces. What do you like about it in particular I mean I'm just thinking now of that the tune the the, the trout yeah the trout song. tune yeah yeah I think well I think it also has to do with um because I used to listen to that famous recording with Jacqueline Dupre and Daniel Barenboim mm-hmm. and you know they were some of my early childhood idols and I think it's kind of so that piece I instantly I instantly connect to Jacqueline Dupre for some reason when I hear that Mm. piece, um, which makes it special. And then also just, you know, the melodies and the way he uses harmony. um, And every time I play it, I just feel so free 
kind of on stage. So, mm. yeah. And you mentioned there again, listening in the car. Was that a big part of, of being, driv- you know, driving around places and listening mm. to music? Was that a big part of your childhood? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So we had um, this kind of big eight or nine seater car so that we could all fit in Uh and we'd all kind of turn on the CD player or maybe the tape recorder actually whichever one it was and yeah we'd always listen to music in the car it was it was a massive part of my childhood and I remember it was quite a loud car so if it was a really quiet moment you'd have to really strain to hear (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and how do you like how and where do you listen to music now are you do you stream music you CDs yeah unfortunately (laughs) I'm, I'm a bit of a streamer so I have Spotify and I listen to it with my headphones But I'd like to, because at home in Nottingham, my parents still have a CD player and my brothers also have a CD player. And I think I would like to get one because I think it is better to listen to it that way. But at the moment it's headphones. Yeah. 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 The great thing about streaming though is it does kind of open up a whole world Mm. of just think, you know, you can just think of something that you want to listen to. Listen to it there and then. Yeah. Yeah, that is useful, definitely. But then I think also sometimes when you have too many options, you can't decide what to listen to. And then I find myself listening to maybe 30 seconds of a piece and then like mm. moving on. So I think sometimes too many options is a bad thing. I have to like really discipline myself to mm. listen to certain things. And do you listen to things that people recommend to you? Or do you like, where do you get your new kind of musical inspiration from? Yeah, a mixture of people recommending it to me or me kind of just thinking of someone and like an artist or a composer I want to discover more and kind of exploring Spotify and seeing what I can find. Mm. Mm. That kind of brings us on to what's your current musical obsession? Um, so my current musical obsession is actually Jacqueline Dupre. I've kind of gone back to my childhood. Uh-huh. Um, I hadn't listened to her for many years. Um, but yeah, I, I recently read the book that her sister and brother wrote and um, reading that made me want to kind of get back into her music. So I've been kind of browsing her recordings. Um, yeah. And I'd also say I'm obsessed with Barber at the moment as well, because I'm learning his piano sonata. And I think he's a fantastic composer. So I'm kind of listening to his music as well. Yeah. Are there any particular recordings of either Barber or, or of Jacqueline Dupre that you really love? Um, so I like Van Cliven's recording of the Barber Sonata and also Pietagowski's recording of the cello and piano sonata. And then Jacqueline Dupre, I've been listening to the trio she recorded with um, Zuckerman and Barenboim, um, the Beethoven trios. Yeah. Mm. Um, and those are really, yeah, those are classics. Mm. So I'm, I'm enjoying those. Mm. And um, I was just thinking that just made me think I've got the, a, oh, yeah. a vinyl of those that my dad so gave lucky. me. <laughs> yeah, of those Beethoven trios. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. That must sound so good on vinyl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is a thing about vinyl, actually. There is. The, the sound of it, I do think, kind of now we're rediscovering it again, really. Yeah, I hope it's one of those things that doesn't kind of go out of the window. Yeah. I think like videos. I, yeah, it does seem to, and the record labels seem to have embraced it a bit. I know mm-hmm. even, um, I think Deutsche Grammophon, they've been doing vinyl of, um, so there's the Icelandic pianist, Vikinger Olafsson, they 
done his latest album on vinyl as well, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think it, it's important to... Because yeah. people do still listen on vinyl. Yeah. So. Uh, who would you say your most streamed artist is on uh, Spotify then? <laughs> mm. That's quite tricky, actually. It would probably be Yuja Wang, actually, because I was obsessed with her from the ages of, like, 18 till about 21, 22. So that's, like, and those are my... That's when I started having Spotify. Uh-huh. So that's a good few years of, of Yuja Wang streaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and are there any non-classical artists who you really love? Um, yeah, so you'd find that Beyonce's streamed a lot. Actually, Beyonce's probably streamed more than Yuja Wang on my Spotify. <laughs> that would probably be my most streamed non-classical artist. Yeah. Um, also lots of Lauren Hill as well. Uh-huh. She, would, she would be a high streamer. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> and do you have um, like any other really um, sort of non-musical like artistic interests or sort of cultural creative interests or um well I love reading um but what I'm reading kind of varies from mm-hmm. year to year um I mean I read kind of lots of psychology books like I'm always like interested in psychology not like pop psychology but like actual psychology um and what else I like poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I'm reading some Carol Ann Duffy poetry. So yeah, I would say apart from music, reading is one of my obsessions. Yeah. So I like read a lot of things. And what does your kind of average day look like at the moment? Um, I tend to wake up quite early, um, just kind of naturally, like around six or something. Um, and I like doing lots of practice in the morning and then kind of in the afternoons, I'll either like go somewhere like a cafe where I can read a book or sometimes I'll have chamber rehearsals with my friends Mm. and then the evenings is usually like a relaxed sociable time so I'll either cook with my flatmate or kind of go out to a concert or a a gathering or something like that. Mm. Mm. And then you just fit in listening to music kind of all around. Yeah so I listen to music I guess in the gym which I do like every other day, like in the afternoon, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, that's my main listening to music time. Or also when I'm just walking or on the tube, because I have noise cancelling headphones, so I can listen to music on the tube. That's clever. So that's, it's really useful. Yeah. <laughs> Keep on meaning to get some of those, actually. <laughs> no, it's really useful because before I couldn't listen to, well, I couldn't listen to classical music on the yeah. tube. But if you have noise cancelling headphones, then you can. So it's really useful. Yeah, I think that'd be good for train journeys as well. Yeah, I have lots of train journeys, so <laughs> that's when I use them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. A good investment. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And what stuff are you working on at the moment um, in terms of your playing? Um, so I'm working on the Barber Piano Sonata, mm-hmm. um, a Beethoven Sonata in A major, number two, mm-hmm. and kind of a, a selection of nocturnes and... Um, bringing back the Rachmaninoff second piano concerto and starting the third Prokofiev concerto. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So th- those are the main things, mm-hmm. yeah. And then some chamber music as always. <laughs> yeah, Always there. Yeah, always there, always <laughs> doing chamber music. <laughs> are there any pieces that you would really love to record at some point? I mean, we could be talking in 5, 10, 15, yeah. 20 years. Yeah, so these are definitely not things that I plan to do yet, um, but I'd love to record some of the Rachmaninoff concertos mm-hmm. and I'd love to record... Actually, I'd love to record the Rachmaninoff trios because they're not done that often. Um, so I'd love yeah. to do like a whole album of Rachmaninoff that has the trios and the concertos. Yeah. That would be a dream. What is it about his music that kind of speaks to you so powerfully? I'm not sure. It's something in the harmony. I think from, yeah, from an early age, I just really connected to his music and 
I used to compose when I was um, a child and Did all you? my compositions kind of sounded a bit like Black Man <laughs> as in not as good. But <laughs> I was so inspired by his music that I tried to yeah. compose like him. So, yeah. I mean, I guess as a pianist as well, it's just something very satisfying about I mean, impossible to play for me. But, yeah, you know, well, I don't way. have big hands, actually. So <laughs> some of his music I do have to stretch, but it is very well written for the piano. Yeah. And I just think, yeah, it's just harmonically so satisfying. And mm. I feel like I can really get deep with his music. Mm. So, mm. Fantastic. That was pianist Isa Takana Mason on the music that has defined her life. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from the team at BBC Music Magazine. Do let us know what you think of it by rating and reviewing it wherever you've been listening. If you want to find out more about BBC Music Magazine, we're available in print and various digital formats across the world, or you can visit our website, classical-music.com, where you can read all about the latest musical happenings, read thousands of reviews, and a good deal more. Thank you to Acast for hosting this podcast, and to our producers, Ben Newitt and Jack Bateman. Music